You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. If you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram, or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. Summer is not over yet, you guys. And if it's not over yet, that means there's still time to get my limited edition rosé with my pals at Elix. I'm calling it my housewives watching wine. It is one light, crisp rosé and four fun designs centered around Real Housewives of New Jersey, Atlanta, Beverly Hills, New York. Today I'm drinking I Stole Kim's Goddamn House because that is the vibe of the time for today. We are talking about the Girardi case. This is fresh off of my Girardi deep dive part two. We got into all of it. The ex-wife, the California State Bar, Erica, the mascara, her book, what's incriminating in her book. I broke it all down. And now to follow it up, because we all still got lots of legal questions. So I hope you're sitting there right now drinking a can of No Filter Rosé. You can get it at nofilterwine.com, 12.8% alcohol, but less than a gram of sugar. So you'll be litty city, but you won't be too turnt tomorrow. So (laughs) order it at nofilterwine.com as you're sipping through this episode. Get ready. You should be listening to my guest podcast, The Emily Show, and you should definitely be keeping up with her YouTube because she's serving that judicial tea. Please welcome the legal HBIC herself, Emily D. Baker. That is the greatest intro. Thank you. And I will say that I drank your rosé on live stream without (laughs) first consulting the alcohol by volume. So when he says you will be Liddy City, um, yes, I drank two. They are delicious. Uh, No headache. Yes. I loved it so much. No wine headache because it's low because sulfite. The sugar. And the yeah, sugar. Sulfites and sugar. sugar. Uh, it's funny. I had one guy DM me and he's like, I just took a few of them to the beach and I drank them like nothing. And then I passed out on the beach. And I'm like, uh-huh. is this a funny story? Are you trying to sue me? Like, what? <laughs> what is the context before I respond to this? <laughs> I think it was like a, I had, I was, this was unexpected. I was accidentally intoxicated <laughs> and it was delightful. And it he is, loved they it. are delightful. They're so fun. I love them. Thank you. So we have so much to get into since we, I mean, so much has happened since we last spoke. Oh my goodness. Beverly Hills has been premiering. Housewife and the Hustler came out. Yes. More lawsuits. (sighs) More Uh, lawsuits. Erica got sued. Erica's, Erica's lawyers are now fighting with the bankruptcy trustees lawyer, Ron Richards. Like their lawyers are fighting. Erica's crying. We have way more information than we've had. She's been much more open this season than I think any of us expected. I think some people think it's genuine. Some people don't. I'm still in the, I don't even know what happened after this week's episode. Like did Tom get in a car accident? Did he get out of his car too close to the edge of a cliff and fall down it? Like, I still don't know what happened. I have so many questions and the legal stuff is not slowing down at all. And we're still like, people are trying to extrapolate what Erica's saying in context of what we know now right but where we are in the show we only have this tip of the iceberg lion air case and the first asset freeze this is before all the trustees filed for bankruptcy so i'm watching it with like the legal timeline in my head going oh the bankruptcy's coming like the everyone file for bankruptcy's coming so we are rolling into when everything is going to start to unravel like this she's reacting very big to and I 
no shade and again there. it's this the tip really of the iceberg yeah it's the tip of the iceberg and she's like nothing's gonna be okay for a long time i'm like that rang so true to yeah. me whether you love erica hate erica don't know what she did don't know what she didn't do uh, that rang so true for me because it's true um and i've said this very openly i still don't know all of what Erica knew, and we may never know. There are things we can extrapolate. I try not to jump to conclusions. I try to look at the facts we have. But at the end of the day, Erica could be left holding a substantial financial part of everything that Tom did. Because at the end of the day, he was the lawyer who signed the agreements and moved the money in ways that he shouldn't have. That was his doing. She could be left holding quite a lot of this. He's in his eighties. He's in a conservatorship. She just turned 50 and has a lot of life to go and a lot of career to go. And she could be holding, um, bankruptcy judgments and rulings for years and, and is going to be working her way out of a very large financial hole as this all comes crashing down. His ex-wives aren't going to get touched in this. Um, it's going to be her. And there's, didn't she say on the show when they said, Oh, are you going to get anything in the divorce and she's like there's nothing to get yeah like she she knew she knew there was she knew there was no money there so i want to know how long she knew that the money ran out like i have so many questions about probably within the last two years where she said she was starting to ask about the lawsuits and he was shutting her out more and more Mm -hmm. i think that's as the news articles were slowly breaking out i think she was starting to have questions and she was starting to poke and he was starting to push. And then she just got to a point where she's like, I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah. But I want to get into the lawsuits because I feel like so many have come up since b- before I dive into the question. So I want to tell everybody I had an interview with Emily a couple of months ago and I've done two hard deep dives into the Girardi case. The questions for t- from today's show are with recent events and there are a little more high level quite or like a little more specific yeah. to things that have already happened. So listen to those episodes first so that you're caught up to speed before you dive into what we're going to get into today. So and I on my YouTube channel, I go almost document by document yep. on the things that have been filed. Like it's so much content. Um, everything's timestamped though. So if you see a Girardi headline, go to the timestamps and just jump to that part because the videos are pretty full of stuff. So if you really want, oh, what is what is in these financial documents that have been filed? I go through them page by page. It takes forever. There's a lot of documents. We're doing it. We're doing a cook a quick, you know, get into the meat. Yes. Of what happened. And what is now. your YouTube channel again for everybody? Emily G. Baker over on the YouTube. You there can you find go. me at the Emily G. Baker everywhere. Really. There you go. <laughs> Don't forget the D. Okay, so let's start with the bankruptcy lawsuit because you recently said, I listened to your interview on Up and Adam, and you said that Erica is now being sued inside the bankruptcy. What does yes. that mean? So bankruptcy court acts like an umbrella and it pulls everything in. You can have trials in the bankruptcy court. It's all governed by the same judge that the bankruptcy is. And the bankruptcy trustee is sued. Well, the bankruptcy trustee through her special counsel. That's Alyssa, right? Erica. That's Richards. So in the bankruptcy for Girardi Keese, the law firm, um, the bankruptcy trustee, she asked to hire and got permission from the court to hire Ron Richards and his firm to go after just Erica and any transfers from the law firm 
to Erica. Now, the other bankruptcy, and again, it's so annoying to me that they didn't put these together, but whatever. In the other bankruptcy, it's Tom Girardi as a person, and there is a separate special um, you know, litigator in that trustee, Boris Trazion from the Axe Law Firm, that's going after Erica with regard to the marital property. Her saying these are all gifts, this shit doesn't this isn't yours, the bag's mine, that kind of stuff. That's happening in the personal bankruptcy where they're selling the house and dividing up personal assets. With regard to the law firm, it's you know the female bankruptcy trustee and Ron Richards going through what the law firm might have transferred to Erica. Did the law firm loan her money? And in this case, did the law firm improperly transfer legal fees to Erica? So that is a lawsuit. Normally you go to court, you file a suit, you get assigned a judge and away you go. In the bankruptcy, the lawsuit is filed within that proceeding. So it all happens kind of under that umbrella or like in a bubble, in the bubble of bankruptcy. So my understanding of what you just said is there are two lawsuits happening within the bankruptcy. One is for the loans that were allegedly given to Erica through Girardi Keese. And then the other is coming from the marital property that they're trying, the assets that they believe she's in possession of that they want to use to liquidate Tom's assets. Yep. They're trying to find that. I haven't seen them file a suit on that yet. They have filed documents going after that and indicating they're going after that. Her attorneys could be working with that litigator behind the scenes to list out this is all of her property, this is what we think, and to try to sort it out before having to file a lawsuit. So that is underway. We've seen in Erica's lawyers' motions that they've been cooperating, they say, on that side of the bankruptcy with Boris Trazion. Got it. Okay. Now there's also the separate ruling for the Rui Gomez family that they're now greenlit to be able to sue Erica as well. They're greenlit to continue their litigation. And that is the litigation outside the bubble, which is why they needed permission to keep going. Because when you go into a bankruptcy, I mean, everybody kind of remembers the office. Well, those of us that are around our age, well, my age, we're not going to lump you into my age because I'm old. But uh, remember, you know, Michael Scott running in and being like, I declare bankruptcy. The reason you joke about that is because once a bankruptcy happens, everything else stops. It's called a bankruptcy freeze. Any other litigation happening in any other court with regard to the subject of the bankruptcy stops dead in its tracks. The Rui Gomez family had been moving along in a third lawsuit against Girardi to enforce their judgment. So they had... They had had Tom as the lawyer to deal with the gas line explosion. They won a judgment. Then they had to sue Tom because he didn't give them the money he was supposed to give them when they asked for it. He, they won in that after they went to mediation. They won a $12 billion judgment. He was supposed to pay it. He made the first payment. No further payments. Which was $1 million. Shock. Yeah. So he paid $1 yep. million so and paid there's the $11 million. Million that's left. Yes. And that 11 million is attached. So they got liens, judgment liens on the house, the law firm, all his personal property, everything they could get liens on. So now they're in litigation trying to enforce the judgment liens that they have. And they were going through depositions and we saw clips of their depositions of Tom in the hustler and the housewife. Well, they had been gearing up to depose Erica as well because they've attached all of Tom's property. And that includes 
marital property. Got it. So they got permission to continue moving forward with their discovery process of deposing Erica and seeking out marital assets. Right. But that's about it. So okay. that's so they, they can, can't can, dip into her bank account to get that eleven million. They're going after the property that she has that could still be considered marital property. Correct. And they're allowed to go and continue fact finding. Their goal, it seems from the filings to me, is that that will move faster than trying to fact find within the bankruptcy because they were already so far along. The judge is already like, what is he? We've had yeah. like, where are the assets? Yeah. And part of that is that Erica's not a named debtor in this bankruptcy. So a lot of the arguments are like, look, the bankruptcy freeze shouldn't apply as to her, but it is marital property where the the freeze would apply. So let us continue fact finding. So they can depose Erica. They can start getting subpoenas for her bank records to try to find what marital property is there. And then they have to bring that information back to the bankruptcy court and say, this is what we found. This is what we think we're entitled to because they're going to have to fight the other creditors that have right. liens on Tom's property. And Boris Trazion, who's going after the marital property to bring it into the bankruptcy and divvy it up to others as well. Got it. And so the reason, yes. And the reason (laughs) Rui Gomez is able to move forward with their lawsuit or with their discovery process is because they were able to get their loans secured by the judge. Correct. Where a lot of the other, a lot of the other people that are looking to collect don't have a secured loan and will probably not end up getting anything at the end of the day. Their lawyer did a really good job making sure that once they got that judgment, that they got those judgment liens. But I think by that time, their trust, and this is my speculation, I think at that time, their trust had been so violated that they didn't, after he paid the 1 million, I mean, after he didn't give them their settlement, your trust is super violated. And then you finally get a, you finally find a lawyer to sue your lawyer who has a good reputation at, at the time and had a lot of power and clout within the legal sphere. So you find a lawyer willing to take that on. You get your judgment for $11 million. You're not going to trust that that's just going to be paid. And in fact, it wasn't. They got a million and then he stopped paying. So they perfected those judgment liens to attach all of his property and now now fighting it out with other lien holders. People who don't have liens are going to be very are going to be kind of left holding the bag with regard to the personal side of it. And and fighting it out if there's anything left. But after all the liens that have been turned over, I don't think there will be anything left once you get through those creditors. Yeah. And so now there was the 20 million that was brought up in the Edelson case. And that's the, yes. for reference, and I hate referencing them this way, but this is just how we know all of the the players. These are the orphans and widows that are part of that, that are basically saying that there were $20 million in loans that were given from Girardi keys to Erica's EJ global company. Correct. So in that, that lawsuit is the first one we're seeing talked about on the show. Yes. Edelson PC was, you know, just for brief context, a law firm that worked with Tom Girardi, Tom's LA lawyer. They were the local attorneys in Illinois, which, which is where this federal case was regarding the Lion Air crash. And that is where you get the victim's of, well, it's not the victims of the crash because there were no survivors of the crash, but the families of the crash uh, victims were part of this massive class action against Boeing and were entitled to these judgments. And the judgment wasn't substantial. I mean, I know Crystal caught a lot of flack for being like, it's $2 million. I don't understand. Write a check. But when this all came down, literally, literally, I had the same thought. I'm like, you're worth 
hundreds of millions of dollars. Within the context, yeah. I have a lot of questions about why there's $2 million missing and you can't just you can't just be like, oh yeah, my bad. Let's make sure everybody gets paid. It seems like it's a mistake that can be corrected. But when the assets got frozen that day in court, Tom's lawyer said there isn't any money in the law firm. And that's that's what triggered, um, I think, all of the other parties that are creditors to go literally, oh fuck, yeah. we have to do something. Because the bankruptcy followed very closely after because that's when they were starting to realize oh my God, there may be no money here. Like yeah. if you can't pay this $2 million, it should just come right out of the client trust account and go directly to these uh, clients. But not being able to do that definitely triggered it. And Edelson PC is the first lawsuit that alluded to these transfers from Tom's law firm to Erica. They're also the ones that alluded to the the you know marriage or the divorce being a sham. And Edelson, I believe, was interviewed maybe on Andy's Girls. He was interviewed on a podcast and was talking about um, the fact that Erica filing for divorce triggered them to wonder if the money was gone. And that's why she was filing for divorce. Yeah. And that's and when they that started was- looking at her. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and that's why they started. And yeah. to clarify Crystal's comment, because again, people love to take the context we have today and forget the timeline of when this was all filmed. But like to also put into perspective, like that's like essentially saying somebody that has 80 grand in the bank has a $200 bill that's due. Like in the grand scheme of what you have in the bank where Tom oh, yeah. allegedly had like 80 million, which is what he said, yeah. you know, something that s- small is not as significant. Right. If you have a hundred dollars and somebody's like, can you give me two dollars? Yeah. You're not going like, to be like, oh, that's, uh, that's a lot money? of money. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's that's what triggered a lot of people because he was supposed to have tons of money. So in context, again, his law firm should have had this money. This money never should have gone anywhere other than to the people it was entitled to go to. So where are they getting, because now I'm hearing there's a $25, 25 million. 25 million. Yeah. So where are they getting the 20 million and now 25 million? Like, do we know where those numbers are coming from? Or are those just guesstimates that we have yet to actually see documentation on? So we know what's alleged within this new lawsuit filed against Erica by Ron Richards in the bankruptcy court saying that not only did Erica receive legal fees, which she shouldn't have, but the rights to the legal fees were assigned to Erica for these lottery payments. And instead of going to the law firm, which is they normally should go to the law firm and be paid on the books as legal fees, they were signed to Erica. So they're going after that amount of money and then saying based on tax records, they believe that $25 million has been transferred to Erica's companies. And is that the same? Is that part of the same 20 million that is alleged by Edelson? I would imagine so. Edelson said that they found that number alleged in another lawsuit because Erica was also sued in Arizona with regard uh, to a legal lender that hadn't been paid. So I think everyone, this is my speculation, I think everyone's looking at the same tax documents with regard to these lawsuits to try to figure out where this money is and how much money was invested into the pretty mess being Um, a career. And I wonder if when Tom's telling his clients, oh, it's going to be an investment, you're going to get it paid back. If Tom in his mind thought, oh, I'm investing into Erica and my clients have said I can invest their money. Well, Erica has said multiple times, the pretty mess is expensive and not profitable. It wasn't an investment. It was throwing money into a, you know, 
a vanity it was throwing project. money into a vanity project yeah. i was gonna say into a dumpster and lighting it on fire but <laughs> i realized that's right because you know before all of this started the pretty mess brought us some music that's iconic and it's and some moments that were iconic it, it, exactly. it was used in her, her episode one transition <laughs> It's mm-hmm. expensive to be me. To be me. Right. So I, I I hate to call it a dumpster fire, but again, at this point, it looks like her her performing career, her music career was being fueled by this money that was maybe coming from the law firm to the tune of $25 million based on the records that Richards and others have drug, have dug up. So, and that's the combination of loans that were given to her company and legal fees that were paid out to her company. Yes. Well, paid out to her. Or pay, paid out to yeah. her. So then... Same, same. How would she, as somebody that isn't a lawyer, why would she even receive legal fees? That's a wonderful question. She shouldn't have. Yeah. So there's going to be speculation about whether this was to avoid legal lenders. So years, as all this was going on and as these monies were being given directly to Erica, there were legal lending companies going after Tom because Tom works on contingency. And you've seen the clips going around the internet of Erica being like, that's a badass motherfucker. Like he fronts the money. And that's how contingency works. The lawyer fronts the money. And in some of these cases, probably tens of millions of dollars, but they use legal lending companies to do it. And what's supposed to happen is the legal lending company essentially takes the risk of saying, okay, we'll give you $5 million for this case. And when the case settles out of the attorney's fees and costs, the lender gets paid back and the attorney takes sometimes 40% after their hard costs. So if it costs $200 to file the suit, they the $200 comes off after the attorney's fees. So they take their attorney fee chunk, then they take their cost chunk, and then the rest goes to the client. And the legal lender is supposed to be paid back out of their portion that they take of legal fees and costs. Um, That clearly wasn't happening. And they were essentially financing particular cases saying, when this case resolves, you're supposed to pay us. And they weren't getting paid just like the clients weren't getting paid. I suspect... Emily speculation that part of the money not coming into the law firm and going to Erica is so that the legal lenders maybe wouldn't be able to get to that funds. Yeah. That's my, that's my consideration. Cause there were, there were those debtors at that time. The timelines kind of match up. Got it. Okay. And so, I mean, I had a bunch of other questions, but I feel like we already clarified them. So the 11 million owed to the Rui Gomez family, Erica likely won't have to pay for that out of pocket. That's likely just going to be assets that she has that they're going to use to liquidate and pay Rui Gomez, correct? There, it's attached on the law firm and it's attached on the property. So she, does she owe it? Yes and no. She owes it in so much as she has marital property that'll be liquidated to pay it back. So correct. It's not it's not a debt that's like she is going to have to pay, but she's going to have to liquidate. If the rest of the funds aren't there, then the rest of the funds aren't there. Um, different than these lawsuits where it's like the illegal transfers, she can have to pay back those bankruptcy judgments. If there are bankruptcy judgments, because these are all allegations, if there are bankruptcy judgments, she could have to pay those back. It's why this lawsuit filed by the bankruptcy trustee, uh, Miller says very clearly that these were fraudulent transfers. If the behavior is fraudulent and intentional versus like a breach of contract or just a regular debt, it can't be um, discharged if 
her companies go bankrupt. And that means she can't get rid of it. Right. So if she goes bankrupt, you still have to be on the hook for taxes and for the fraudulent behavior and stuff like that. So those, uh, I think there's a very specific reason that language is in there. It's not just a loan, it's a fraudulent transfer. And I think her lawyers will fight to prove, no, this was an investment in the career. There's nothing fraudulent about it. If Tom wasn't paying his clients, that's not my client's problem. Right. She didn't know where the money was coming from. She thought these were coming from legitimate funds because there's enough money going around this law firm to argue with a billion, 40, 40% on a billion dollar settlement. She thought the money was there. Well, she thought this that, was a legitimate he's investment. He's on the cover of all of these magazines. He's being awarded at yes. all of these ceremonies. Like there was yes. no reason to believe that he was a shady lawyer. I mean, I'm pretty sure yeah. people that worked with him directly didn't really like him, but he was still buying his cover on the magazines and, you know, getting all of these praises and all of these awards. Now, was the 20 million, because I think there's a big misconception or the 25 million, whatever the exact number actually is, was that a one-time lump sum or was that multiple like payments that came in over multiple years? It's unknown because it says tax records indicate, but it doesn't specify if that's one year of taxes or multiple years of taxes. It could very really be multiple years of taxes. I that was my impression. In, yeah, that my, same. I imagine that you wouldn't do 20 million in one year just for tax purposes. But I also imagine that with all of this going on, the IRS investigators are like, oh, we get another housewife. Yay! Because the IRS, this screams IRS investigation. Yeah. And the IRS is going to dig into all of this. And so very really, Erica could end up, you know, if she has any wins in the bankruptcy court, she could still end up in a fuck ton of trouble with the IRS, yeah. depending on what Tom was doing. And she might not have known if his bookkeepers are taking care of their taxes yeah. and she's just signing stuff, she could also end up holding the bag on taxes. And I'm sure that's part of her stress in all of this. Not that she's showing it online. I mean, she's posting thirst traps and whatever and, and arguing with people on Twitter, but this, the weight of when is the IRS hammer going to drop like that's, and when is the criminal investigation hammer going to drop? Those are, those are things that can tail out two, three plus years. Yeah. And those are, those are, I, so I worked um, in law school for the U.S. Attorney's Office, the Federal Prosecutor's Office, in their tax fraud division. And the IRS investigators have the time, the energy, and the money to literally unearth your whole life. Like they're, they're, they're like, oh, this is what I'm on. I can pull up all your records and I can take my time piecing it together and try to figure it out. And you can't bankrupt your way out of tax yeah. debts. And those can become criminal as well. So there's a lot, I'm sure, of legal strategy and conversation happening. And I'm sure her legal team is trying to look at what might be any potential IRS liability. If she really didn't know what Tom was doing and didn't see their books, she could still be implicated on that. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think that Tom just at the end wrote her a $20 million check and it's just sitting somewhere and they're like, just give it back, Erica. Um, I did. I think that money went into the pretty mess. Oh, yeah. Building over the over years. time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's paying for the shows that she was doing. The private planes, for the costumes and yeah. the glams and the jets and the the choreographers and the that's how I interpreted it. It wasn't a transfer to hide assets. It was my interpretation. Right. It was this is how much money has gone into this business enterprise to create the pretty mess and essentially to get her on housewives. 
So I have heard a theory that these loans could have been a ploy to avoid paying taxes and likely an attempt for Tom to move and conceal money, which was kind of revealed in his last divorce settlement with Kathy. He had many of these like large loans that were written off to pay other people and they were written off as loans. Um, and that's why at the time his ex-wife Kathy was like, oh, well, now that I'm leaving the marriage, he gave this loan to so-and-so over there. He needs to bring that money back because I'm entitled to half of those loans. Right. Is it possible that these number these loans weren't actual loans that it was just kind of a way for him to get through the taxes? Um I think you would move the money. I mean you would move the money. It could be to it it's pure speculation. It could yeah. be to avoid taxes because if the business writes off 20 million dollars like oh or, or $5 million a year for several years. Oh, we invested into Erica Jane. There was no return. You write it off right. to reduce your tax burden in the business. Completely possible. And sometimes that can actually be legitimate. That's not always fraudulent, which is where all of this like right. business practices have to be unwound. But sometimes those are just junk loans. Like, oh, it's not a loan if you don't expect to ever get it back. Right. That's not a loan. That's a gift. And that has a different implication tax-wise for both businesses. So it's, it could be to avoid the IRS. It could be to avoid uh, creditors because again, there were these legal lending companies um, coming after him um, amongst others. So he had so many lawsuits going on. It could have been to move money out of the law firm and say, okay, well keep suing me. There's nothing here. What are you going to get? But at the end of the day, that doesn't make sense to me because his business was a sole proprietorship. So whatever money you have in your life, yeah. you have in your business. The business wasn't this other it wasn't entity. wasn't an actual just... entity. Yeah. That so, was a crazy so, discovery too. Yes. And it makes no sense to me. And it looks like he didn't carry malpractice insurance either, which- No, which with, was intentional. Yeah. With, with how big these judgments were, it's just like, oh, fuck. This, for me, everything he was doing- turns my stomach because it was so it was not accidental at the beginning I was like yeah was this getting yeah was this getting behind the eight ball one time like oh you didn't loan enough to cover this case and then you got behind and moved a little money and then it grew yeah this looked like an intentional full ass Bernie Madoff fuck all of you Ponzi scheme yeah that's no and I think last time we spoke we talked about how this could potentially have just been a snowball that just continued to balloon out of his control and I was like, maybe he really, you know, wasn't as crooked. But once I dug into it and realized he wasn't care, he he didn't have the insurance and it was intentional because the insurance is how the state bar tracks lawyers that are being unethical. And he knew that little loophole. So he was like, I'm not going to do that. Like that makes my fucking head spin. Because yeah, I'm like, he played this... into all the loopholes. Yep. And it wasn't just that one. It looks like in a number of the other cases, particularly there's a group of Boeing cases where the same thing happened. Clients didn't get paid their settlements. They, it looks like to me from court records, they got strung along long enough that when they went to court and were like, no, this is malpractice, they waited too long and the statute of limitations passed. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he was playing very well into the loopholes to say no. You can't come at you can't come after me now. Too bad, so sad. And those a lot of clients had that similar experience where they waited too long to finally sue him. And he played into that with, I think, with the same voicemails that we heard attached to the Edelson PC case. 
I'm a nice guy. Be nice to me. Don't be, I've been in the yeah. hospital. And then when the switch flips, we get the voicemails like you heard in Hustler and a Housewife where he's unhinged screaming at people. Yeah. So it's, I'm going to try to make you feel You're bad toast. for me. And then I'm going to intimidate you. And yeah. then I'm going to threaten you. And then he would abuse the discovery process by burying, you know, certain like he like I realized or correct me if I'm wrong, but I discovered that he wasn't even telling the clients what the actual settlement number was and it, and so when they would try to sue him they didn't really know what they what the yep. cost they were suing him for is it 5 million is it 6 million is it 12 million is it 20 million no 20 million is going to EJ Global um like they didn't know what they were actually being awarded which or should never yeah. which should never happen it should be a whole written out sit down this is what we're looking at settling for this is what my fees are going to be this is what my costs are going to be do you agree to this settlement because it's not the lawyer's choice to settle it's right. the client's choice to settle here's the settlement they're offering here's what i anticipate going to trial would cost yeah. here's the ins and outs you're the broker think about it sit on it yes exactly you're the broker you're not the dis you're not making the ultimate decision i think tom thought he knew better than everybody and made those decisions without telling the clients based on everything that's come out after this. And that should never, ever happen. So now she is cooperating to an extent, correct? Because I remember hearing you talk about this $20,000 that was coming to her that was blocked and set aside to be given yes. back. Explain yes, that it to said me. that she agreed. She agreed. And that's what the lottery payments, the payments for 2021 went back into the law firm. They didn't go to her. So she agreed and didn't fight with them to just be like, oh yeah, put that money over there. And the money's being held in trust until this gets resolved. Meaning if it gets resolved and she's entitled to that money, the bankruptcy trustee has to give it to her. If she's not entitled to the money, the bankruptcy trustee has their hands on it, but it holds the assets so that they can't I don't know, go to Mikey. <laughs> and I, I, I know shade to Mikey. I think Mikey's great. I think Mikey's probably like, what in the fuck does this mean for me too? Um, yeah. And so, so do we know why she was entitled to, or why she might be entitled to that 20,000 and other payments? I don't think she's, she, don't think she's entitled but to what's it. It's the just, argument? that's what, I, I, that's what being held in trust means. So it was by way of example. I don't think there's any no but why was the money like why were they justifying that that $20,000 was going to her to begin with Tom signed it over to her I don't think there was any justification <laughs> okay. for her to do so and like I can't even yeah. why Tom chose to do that I don't know but they the reason they hold it in trust is because she has a right to say she's entitled to it I don't think she can because it's legal fees that should go into the law firm I don't think there's any any legal ground for her to argue that that money should go to her other than he signed it to her, which isn't an argument. Now we're seeing that there's the house, which is a multi-million dollar property. We're seeing that his business, mm -hmm. his business properties here in downtown LA, those have been sold. So you're seeing millions of dollars coming into the estate. Is that enough to start to make some of these payments out? Or is it possible that there's just so much owed that none of that nobody's going to get what they're entitled to? No, they're starting to do, they're starting to make agreements and they're starting to make stipulated agreements inside both bankruptcies to agree 
some of the creditors are agreeing to take less money. Some of the creditors are agreeing to not go after different funds. So That's those good. conversations are happening within this. There are creditor meetings. The last creditor meeting just got put over a little bit, but there are creditor meetings to update the creditors on what's going on. So there is quite a lot happening within the bankruptcy. And yes, it's going to be as money comes in, it will start settling out different creditors off of off of the books. If, if I mean, that's a crude example, but yeah. <laughs> now, the Rui Gomez family is able to kind of get to the front of the line because they were able to get their loan secured through these liens. Is it now, uh, them aside, is there a good chance, I would assume, that the lenders would probably be the first to see their cut of the money because they're a little savvier and kind of jumped on the ball a little sooner when it comes to collecting funds? I think so. The lenders are all going to be secured creditors and yeah. a lot of them have personal guarantees from Tom Girardi. So even the legal lenders have personal guarantees and some of them did have liens on the personal property as well because he had used it as collateral. So yeah, the legal lenders are going to go to the front of the line on that because they're secured where a lot of the clients aren't. Now, I keep seeing these, and we talked about this in our last interview, but I want to bring it back up because I keep seeing it circulate on Instagram right now. The letters that Erica signed saying, you can take, you know, before I see any of the money, you can take a, the the cut from the house or whatever it is. She was signing over property to these lenders. Now, I think people are misinterpreting those and saying that she, that that's a letter she signed for the victims to get their money and not the lenders that are the ones giving Tom the loans to, can you just, those were the legal. Yeah. Those were the legal lenders. I believe it was Cal lending too. that. And they, what was funny is they didn't have them notarized, yeah. which is odd to me. Cause there's still, you know, if I was a DA trying to admit that in court, the judge would be like, you're adorable. How do you prove who signed that? And yeah. I'd be like, yeah, you're right. You yeah. can't. And the because signatures they aren't are so, and this, there are only two documents and the signatures on both of the documents with her signature on it are vastly different. Yep. And if she doesn't say or hasn't said, yes, I signed those, it will be hard to prove that she did. But they were signing over that she wouldn't go after her interest in the house if Tom died. So if Tom dies and the house um, is sold in a probate estate that she acknowledges that this lender gets their cut first because her name's not on the house. Like she doesn't have an interest in the house unless it's willed to her. Right. So it was for that eventuality. And given his age, that's a completely appropriate consideration for Cal Lending to say, look, we have a lien. No, it wasn't a lien. It was for them to have the personal guarantee from Tom. So Tom's personal guarantee, like, look, I'm using my house as collateral. Here's my guarantee. And they're like, no, we want your spouse to sign off on it too, that down the road, your spouse isn't going to fight us on this. Yeah. And so that was uh, purportedly her signing off saying that she wouldn't fight Cal Lending to get that money if Tom died and then the loan was paid back after he passed. So my interpretation is those papers don't even fucking mean anything and people need to stop circulating them because he's not dead and they're not notarized and there's no way they can prove she even signed them. There's no way to prove that she signed them. And I think people are using or trying to use them to say, see, she knew. Yeah. But also, A, I don't, I'm not 100% confident that Tom didn't just sign them. Um, I think he signed one of them because one of them looks like her signature and the other one just looks like Kathy down the street fucking signed it. Right. And I'm not sure that when he gave it to her, he didn't say, hey, sign this. It's it's regarding the house, but you're, the house isn't in your name, so it doesn't even matter. And she was like, yeah, whatever. Like, we can't, it's, 
it's hard to not want to assign more meaning to stuff like that. But yeah. those to me aren't dispositive that see, she knew yeah. she knew that he was having a tiff with a business lender yeah. at that point. That doesn't mean she knew he wasn't paying clients and, and having, having your company and your business lender having a thing is not nearly the same as having your clients who have been very injured, not getting paid their settlements. They're two very different things. And in, in business, I could see most spouses just being like, oh, there's something going on with one of these lenders. Uh, okay. Like I, the same way a spouse would be like, oh, is there something going on with your business credit card? Like, I don't know. It's not your business isn't my business, but yeah. that I come from the perspective of I've run my own business. My husband's run his own business. So there were times I was aware of what was going on in his business. I didn't see every credit card statement every single month from his business. He has a bookkeeper yeah. and an accountant yeah. and an office manager and a bunch of other people. So I knew some of the day-to-day, but I didn't know the ins and outs nitty-gritty of what was going on in his business. So it's hard for me to say that she should have known more. Yeah. And well, also because it's like people are like, oh, well, she had access to the bank accounts, but she had access to she may have had access to their personal bank accounts, but she didn't have access to the Girardi keys. She shouldn't have. She no. shouldn't have. No. And she mm-hmm. shouldn't have had access to any of those accountant documents. So she wouldn't have known or seen that money coming in. Now, what's so interesting to me, I'm sorry, I totally no, yeah. cut you off. It's yeah. so interesting to me that when all this went down with Teresa Judice, people were just like, of course, she was just like, I don't know. I don't read the things. I sign the thing that people really seem to rally around her and be like, I mean, you benefited from this, but we think Joe really did this and yeah. you didn't know a ton of it. Um, but with Erica, because of her persona on the show, I think she's definitely gotten a different end of the stick on that. Cause on the show, she really is like, you know, I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm very smart, but it doesn't mean that her husband wasn't also smarter, just having her do things. And, Lawyer, look, uh, my husband's a lawyer spouse. Uh, I have a lot of friends that'll be like, could you just read this and tell me to sign it or not? I can see her just being like, okay, whatever, Tom, and just deferring to him. And she said that about her housewife contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because your spouse is this world renowned lawyer. So I think, again, I I don't, I'm not going to crucify somebody until I know what they knew. Yeah. Um, based on their social media posts, which yeah. I think are completely tactless, deaf. Yeah. tasteless, and gross. I agree. But that doesn't mean she knew how bad what Tom was doing yeah. was. So let's let's talk about that, though, because I feel like people, when I say things like that, people are like, oh, you're disgusting, you're defending her. And I'm like, I'm not defending her. I just think we need to direct our, all this like animosity towards Tom, the one who had the legal responsibility and the one who was actually doing this for decades before ever marrying Erica. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think it's not by way of defense of right. Erica. I think she's been tone deaf. I don't understand how, as this unraveled, she couldn't at least put out a statement saying, yeah. I am sickened with everything that I've learned. I have post obligations and business obligations that I'm going to keep up, but I am learning that everything I thought was my life is a lie. And I'm trying to process that. I feel horrible for the clients that didn't get paid. And I am working with my legal team to try to figure out 
what comes next. There was the fact that there was no statement and seeming to be no acknowledgement of people who very really were hurt by Tom. She might also be hurt by Tom. Yeah. She might also end up spending the rest of her life paying back the things he chose to do. She didn't choose to not pay his clients. He chose to not pay his clients. She benefited from that, yeah. but she didn't make that decision. And I, I've said this in my content too. I've, as a former district attorney, I worked a lot of cases. I had embezzlement cases where, you know, the husband business owner and the wife would be in my office talking about what happened. And the wife would be like, I had no idea how things were unraveling in the business. And the the spouse would be like, I didn't know either that this employee was stealing from me. I just tried, I couldn't figure it out. I just kept trying to work. I've seen a lot of scenarios where people just didn't know the ins and outs of their spouse's business. And so it's hard for me to say Erica knew what he was doing. She benefited from what he was doing a hundred percent. She's been shitty on social media a hundred percent. It doesn't mean that she knew all of the details of what he was doing. She might've known some. Yeah. And I think she may have found out a lot in the past two years. And that's why she had to get yeah. her ducks in a row to get out. Um, yeah. That's why, because there was a an interesting confessional that she gave, I think, in last week's episode or the week before, where they asked her when she first found out about the Edelson lawsuit. And she was like, I can't answer that. And I think it's because right. she didn't find out when it broke out in the news. She probably found out that it was coming down the line. And that's part of the reason yep. she decided to jump out. And she'd probably been planning an exit for a while because you don't leave a man like that overnight and have an apartment ready no. and all that stuff no. and divorce file. Like that takes time. Yeah. She definitely planned. She definitely planned her her leaving Tom. But I also just wonder, we've seen the way he's talked to different people, not just through the show, but through these voicemails attached yeah. to lawsuits and in The Hustler and The Housewife. We saw the manipulative, like, be nice to me. I'm a good guy. We've seen the rageful anger and threats. And I just wonder how much of that Erica received as well, because those those behaviors I don't think are necessarily just going to be isolated. If you're going to scream at your clients like that, I mean, you're going to scream at your, I can't imagine like, well, especially I, I would, can't imagine that you never would talk to your spouse like that. Well, I would also think that because of the man that he is, and he's very machismo of like, I am giving you this life. I bought you Erica Jane. You're really going to question me. Like I would understand yeah, how there you, would bitch. be. Yeah. I made you that undertone of like, who are you to question me? I know better than you sit down yeah. and look pretty because that was yeah, your job. Look pretty. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the sense I get too. And I think, I think Erica's early steps in this, um, not on the show on social media as it all broke are really what people are holding against her. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish she had had a PR or a legal team yeah, that said, you need to acknowledge you need I mean, to acknowledge some without without saying what you knew or what you didn't know. You need to acknowledge some instead of posting fucking thirst traps yeah. in Fenty. I think part of me, there's a fraction of me that hopes that we get that moment in the show as she really discovers it and as the women get to question her. I hope that it really is, I feel sickened and I had no idea. Like, I hope we get that moment. Not for her and not to save her reputation, but at least for the victims. Like they deserve yeah. that acknowledgement. And I hope we get that on the show. I really do. And, and I feel and I feel like we might. I hope we do. The clients have been watching this. I mean, clients who have been struggling with Girardi for decades. So there are clients out there that have been watching them flaunting this lifestyle on the show yeah. unabashed for years in, I'm sure, rage. 
but rage that most people aren't going to even hear because it's like, oh, he would never do that. Oh, you must have been mistaken. It's the same with, with a lot of, you know, these trust violating abuses of power. People gaslight you and are yeah. like, no, you must have, you must have done something. And people gaslight themselves like, that's the lawyer. Did yeah. I not communicate? Did I misunderstand? People take a lot of that on themselves. And then to have to watch him flaunt the wealth on the show must have been tremendously oh. difficult. And I think that's where some of this rooting for the fall comes from. Yeah. And Tom is now, you know, kind of locked away in this conservatorship. Well, not totally locked away because he's out for lunch, right? But yeah. Tom's off of TV, off of social in this conservatorship. So all the vitriol is put you know, directed at Erica and she's definitely lashing back out, which isn't a good look. Sometimes you just have to have to either acknowledge what's going on or just take it. But it's also not. like, that's such our culture to like, cause like I've even had issues with how Ronald Richards is handling it. And me even saying, you know, he has a lot to benefit from it has like these Stan Ronald Richard fans that are coming out and they're just like, no, he's doing God's work. But I'm like, we're like a, at 40 percent yeah he's at, doing, no, but fine, not just 40 percent not just 40 percent plus costs plus plus um clout. plus clout and and notoriety and fans like he has so much to gain from this that he's no saint in all of this and people are like well, well he's deserve he's doing a job he deserves his money and i'm like but he's not as altruistic in this as you want to make him out to yeah. be ask yourself if you know who boris Trazion is because yeah. that's the other attorney that's going after Erica's assets and the marital side. There are different ways to handle it. I don't love seeing lawyers play cases out on social media. I, I'm a legal commentator. I'm not practicing in any of these yeah. cases. But that's my comfort zone. He's clearly very comfortable talking about cases. It's caused a lot of contention. I, I will be very interested to see what the bankruptcy court says. The first time this came up, because it's coming up twice now, the first time this came up, the bankruptcy court said, I'm not going to limit anyone's First Amendment right. Erica's attorneys are arguing it's prejudicing their case because of how much yeah. he's put on Twitter. Erica's attorneys, though, the attorneys that filed this don't seem super social media savvy. They didn't have a, you know, a full printout of his social media that could be authenticated and actually used as evidence. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I think that some of the things are definitely not a good look. Um, and I don't know how it benefits him going after the assets in this case. I think it benefits building the name and reputation of his firm. Yep. Attorneys are allowed to market. So would it be my choice? No. Has he definitely gone in? Yes. Are people rooting for Erica to fail and rooting for him to just tear her down? Yes. I've seen that with other cases I've covered too. There's cases I've covered with YouTubers that aren't popular and everybody's like, yes, get them. So yeah. I get that rooting for it, but it's harder when it's the lawyer involved in the case. I had a different opinion before yeah. he stood to gain what, maybe nine, ten million million out of the money that he's getting back from Erica. And again, that's money that's not going to go to the clients. Well, not only that, because the argument I've heard against that, because I'm like, 40% is a lot of money. And I'm not saying he shouldn't be paid for doing his job. Like he's doing his job and every, I'm not going to take food out of anyone's mouth. I'm not going to take money out of your bank, but like, so people are then saying, well, he's using his own money to fund this investigation. My understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that the investigation is being funded by the Girardi estate. Right, by the bankruptcy. And it, as but, long and as then the, he gets he he gets approval for doing things and spending a certain amount of time, and those are costs, and then he gets fees on top of that. 
Okay. And so there's, uh, and so, but my understanding also is the judge has to approve all of those expenses or costs. And so if he is forking out his own money to pay for something and the judge didn't approve it, that's likely because it may have not been necessary. Because the judge didn't approve it. Yeah. Because the judge is like, this isn't what we're doing. It's not worth it. But if you get, but some of that might for him might be worth it. And this is again, speculation to if he's doing stuff that the judge might not approve to run down these funds, then that is also costs now that he might get back out of his fees. Cause it's a substantial, if you're getting $25 million back and you're getting 40% of that 40 to 45% of that, it's a substantial sum of money. And that's money that doesn't go to the lenders or the victims or anybody like that's and that's not even to mention the trustees cut that she gets from Mm -hmm. that as well. So Ron Richards gets his 40 percent. She gets her cut like everybody's getting a piece of the pie. And at the end of the day, Brittany, uh, it feels like Brittany part 2.0. Everybody gets a piece of the pie except for Brittany. Yeah. Um, And and the, the fees are not. The fees are high. I mean, but those, the, the percentages are high, but the percentages are also average for the area and average for Los Angeles and average for, you know, what people are going after. So it's just kind of, you know, six of one half dozen of the other. I don't know how that all went down that somebody who was commenting on the case ended up being the one law firm out of the thousands of attorneys that are in Los Angeles that was picked. Um, That was an interesting choice, but But that might be, a, you know, what the bankruptcy trustee chose to do. And it definitely has brought a lot more attention because there's yeah. like Twitter flameouts happening. But it, it's I'm, I'm of two minds on it because I love doing legal commentary in the pop culture space. It's more interesting, I think, when the parties involved get messy on social, even though yeah. I always think everybody should just shut the fuck up and yeah. not. But they do. Um, it's harder when the lawyers are part of that mix. So when Ron became a lawyer on the case, it's a little harder for me to watch. Again, it's his choice, but Erica has definitely flamed out on social and it's not a good look for her either. Her attorneys are in court saying, you know, essentially we don't like what Ron Richards is saying on Twitter. It's not fair to Erica and it could prejudice her in the case, but then Erica's flaming where he went to law school and flaming out on him too. And so Ron Richards will be able to say to the judge, well, your honor, I'm also responding to the attacks that are being leveraged at me and my integrity. So I think Erica might have done herself a little bit of damage by just flaming out on 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 the foot. Cause how do you argue both sides? Right. He can't do it, but I can. Yeah. No. So my, my brain immediately went to in terms of like people trying, or at least the victims trying to get their money. I would have thought the most logical thing is to not even try to go after Erica, but to go after the state of California for being like, hey, you guys didn't regulate your California state bar in order to give us what we were like the representation that we deserved, which was to have to be represented by a lawyer that wasn't going to rip us off. Is it possible to even file a class action lawsuit against the state? I know with the California bar, you can try to sue them and they have an annual budget of $8 million that they are allowed to fork out for lawyer theft. But is it possible to sue the state outside of the bar? I mean, it'd be hard to say... I mean, any, first of all, you can sue anyone for anything yeah. just about. <laughs> Suing government entities can be very difficult. We're already seeing um, the state of California kicking back 
going bar, you're supposed to be investigating. Yeah. But there aren't really investigators on the investigators with that. It's supposed to be the court that is maintaining the state bars, you know, oversight of attorneys. So do I think some lawyer somewhere is probably trying to grind the wheels on how that would work? Maybe. Do I think going after the state bar makes more sense? Yes. Um, would that be separate and outside of the bankruptcy? Yes. And that, I mean, that could be current clients, past clients, clients who have clients who never got paid and can't even bring a claim in bankruptcy because they lost out on statute of limitations. There are, I'm sure, plenty of people out there who would be interested. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was an action uh, from clients of Girardi against the state bar. But again, the state bar can only, their budget is $8 million to fork out. And that's less than what his house is even worth. So when you have $8 million that you have to, I mean, unless- but- You've got people who might who aren't part of the bankruptcy who were damaged too, yeah. who might be able to seek a remedy that way. But yes, it's only eight million. That doesn't mean they can't try to petition this the legislature to say no, put more money into a victim's fund. Yeah. Um, because the state bar didn't do that. I mean, Tom Girardi funneled an awful lot of money into the politicians of California. Oh, yeah. Millions, millions into the politicians in California. So I think we're a long way off from having any resolution on this. And there are, look, in all of it, you've got to follow the money. And in all of this, just like in Britney's case, the lawyers stand to make the most money out of any of it. Yeah. The lawyers who bring a class action are going to get paid. The lawyers who are probably door knocking and calling past Girardi clients because their names are in the news going, hey, we can do this and we get that. They're going to get paid. Um, and 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 that's just, it's it, it, the thing that's so hard is because it's, it the just all feels game. kind of gross. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, it, it doesn't just feel gross. It is gross, but that's the <laughs> name of the game. So it's like, how do you even get upset with Tom Girardi and not everyone else? Because we're essentially all doing the same thing at this point. But I mean, I guess the difference is Tom has been like, he had like really deep schemes and loopholes that he was jumping through that's been going on for decades. Um, I mean, this seems like a long running, very intentional fraud to me. This is my like gut. This is what it, it appears to be to me. Um, and, and we know that the Rui Gomez family, at least one has gone to court and won because he wasn't paying his clients. And that uh, the base of all of this, that should never have happened in the first place. And the fact that it did is shocking to me. Let's talk about the gifts argument, because Erica's is trying to say that a lot of the community marital property, they were gifts that were given to her, like the Panther ring. Actually, before mm-hmm. we talk about that, I need to issue an apology because there were a lot of people that were deeply offended that I said it was a Jaguar ring and not a Panther ring. Oh, I interchange so, between the two so all the time. I'm I sorry. Just have I to interchange issue- between Jaguar and Panther. Panther I have to issue a public apology and just say thank you all for holding me accountable. I'm trying to be a better person every day. Hashtag blessed to have you on my side and for holding me. I'm I'm talking to Stasi's PR crisis management team right now, and we're trying to figure out a way to to find a resolution with the Panther versus Jaguar situation. But thank you for holding me accountable. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it's hard when you get your big cats wrong, right? Yeah, the I pan- needed the, I needed to check in with Carol Baskin. The Panther lobby was happy. The Jaguar lobby's like, don't lump us in with this, you know. I know I might get it. not my not my Jaguar. Um, <laughs> so but yes. So the gifts argument. So she's saying that these were were gifts from Tom. So they're not marital property. But a lot of people were bringing up the fact that Taylor Armstrong, who also has a connection to Ronald Richards, side note, um, Taylor Armstrong had to give up her wedding ring in her lawsuit. Can you explain the California gifts so- law? 
I, and I, so the problem is I have not looked into Taylor Armstrong's lawsuit in ages. It was, was it her divorce or was there a separate lawsuit where the ring had to be given up? My understanding is there was somebody that was trying to sue Russell and she had to give up her ring in right, order to pay as that. part of the settlement. Yeah. Okay. So, and that might've been a choice. I think that was to, more of a personal choice to pay. To pay. And um, it's like, oh, this is an asset we have that we could liquidate to pay this lawsuit. Because and what does she want the when ring you for are married, his, you know, what's yours is yours and what's yours is mine. But with Erica, the argument that they are gifts, there are, there are a lot of quirks to marital property in California. And there are a lot of parameters that have to be evaluated to determine if something is legitimately a gift or not. Those can be instruments in writing like, hey, I'm, I'm saying this painting is a gift that can have tax implications. And that also has divorce implications. Whether or not some of these things are going to meet the threshold will be uh, ultimately, I think, either determined by a court or will be mostly determined between the lawyers for Erica and the lawyers in the bankruptcy court agreeing to turn things back over. If I were Erica's legal team, I would be fighting to make everything a gift because then she stands a better chance to liquidate it if she's left holding a $25 million lawsuit on the other side of it. You hold everything you can back in the personal bankruptcy because you might have to liquidate to pay the business side bankruptcy. So I could see her fighting over I need the, you know, exemption from the home that I'm entitled to, which yeah. I don't think she's entitled to. I need all of this, the jewelry, the property, whatever, because I think she is building the the kind of the moat yeah. where she's going to have to sell this stuff off if yeah. she ends up holding a $25 million judgment. Yeah. So that's where I think the strategy is for Erica's legal team. I agree. But they're going to have to look at the list of the things that she has, which Boris Trazion is the one who's going after the list of all the stuff she has, everything she shows on the show and decide how much those are worth. And then argue each thing by each thing, the Cartier earrings, were they a gift? Are they a marital asset? How were they purchased? It's different. And I think people are confused because it's different than a criminal proceeding, like a Jen Shaw case, yeah. where if she used the proceeds from a criminal enterprise to buy a car, the government's like, sweet, that car's mine. Sweet, that bank account's mine. And they can forfeit an asset, forfeit the things that you buy with illegally gotten funds. That's in a criminal asset forfeiture. There can be civil asset forfeitures, but those are not what we're dealing with here. So her assets aren't being forfeited under, you know, oh, they were bought with ill-gotten gains. We're not there. Can that happen down the road? If there's that kind of investigation, maybe, but these are two totally separate legal proceedings going on. And people are like, well, if he bought it with money he took, why can't they just force it back? Yeah. Because we're still dealing with marital property, not asset forfeiture. Right. So uh, hopefully that made Yes, it did. And to to clarify, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, she should just give the panther ring to the victims. Well, first of all, you can just give you can just throw the ring at the victims and say, here, take it. Um, but also it it is likely a legal strategy to hold as much as she can so that she's building the pot that'll likely end up going. And and to be fair, that was money that was used to buy those assets. So it only is fair that she forks them over. She's just trying to make sure there that this I isn't think she's trying to strategize yeah. where she forks it over to. Yes, yeah, so that because it's not coming out of her personal se- bank account. Yes, there are these two separate bankruptcies. 
if she knows, like if her legal team knows what the loans are and her legal team knows behind the scenes, okay, we could potentially be our maximum exposure is this many millions. They would have done these calculations. Maximum exposure, this many millions. How do we protect that much in assets? And that's where you're seeing her fight over assets. I think in the personal bankruptcy, because she is going to, at the end of the day, those assets are going to get liquidated at some point and paid back. It's just strategizing how to do that so that she limits the hole and the depth of the hole she's in down the road. I know that that feels callous and cold, but that is her legal team saying circle the wagons and, and let's strategize this to keep her afloat down the road in a normal bankruptcy that didn't involve quite what this involves, there would be a portion of, of all of the assets set aside for you to still have a home and a car and these things. And Erica is really trying to establish some of that for herself, it seems. And, you know, at the end of the day, her, she would have never thought she would have thought that, you know, when Tom died, there was going to be this money there. And when, you know, if they ever got divorced, there would be money there. His other exes definitely have, you know, monthly payments and got money out of the divorce. She's going to be left in a hole of debt with this. It's going, you know, a hole, I say it's crater of debt, ocean cavern of debt. Yeah. Because of Tom. Yeah. Uh, is part of the reason she may not have issued any sort of statement or apology because that could be misinterpreted as admitting that she's guilty. I mean, that's always a consideration, but a legal team can determine and issue a statement that doesn't admit anything and just expresses sympathy yeah. and, and, and dismay. You know, it's, I, I am, I am horrified to find out what's going on with this. I mean, it, it also could be a PR calculated, like the brand is cold as ice. A statement is not on brand. That could also be a determination. I know it's, yeah. I, you can see it though. You can yeah. see that being a brand decision. Yeah. Like, no, we're plowing through like, you know, these bitches don't know me. And you also have seen on social other housewives for her birthday, posting her music and yeah. singing, you know, Kyle Richards singing on the yacht and all of this, like the group that's around her is acting as tone deaf as she is. Yeah. I don't love it. So you said as far as criminal charges go, she's likely not going to be held for like stealing money from the victims, but it'll likely be done. The charges will likely be brought up through fraudulent transfers of the money and tax evasion. Yeah, that's what I I mean, that's based on all the information that's public. That is the cleanest and easiest route to go taxes if there are tax issues. And you know what, when you're running when you're running multi multi million dollar businesses the IRS can find something it's how much of a something they find it could be a oh there's a $10,000 liability here to oh there's a $10 million liability over here um and that can be a difference of opinion on accounting sometimes but the IRS will win at the end they always do the, the they always do the criminal prosecution because Tom's actions in Illinois were referred to the AUSAs. The judge said it. The judge wasn't thrilled. That got referred to the AUSAs. And what Tom's liability is for potential embezzlement, misrepresentations, all the things that were going on with his clients, whether they can prove Erica was aiding and abetting that is different than whether she benefited from using the money. Those are two separate things. It's the same um, evaluation with like Jen Shaw, you know, 
she is the one alleged to have been running this thing. Yeah. But as I dug into it more, there were, you know, years back her being interviewed by the FTC for business practices and stuff. So we know that this is years back that she's involved with other legal action. And we know that coach Shaw was an attorney. There's no way they didn't have a conversation when she was getting deposed by the FTC but he's not being indicted in this criminal cause of action either because they probably can't prove that he was helping her, working with her, or conspiring with her. So it's, I think, going to be the same. And if Tom is in the conservatorship, going after him criminally can be difficult, making the tax a little bit of an easier route than criminal liability for fraud and theft and things like that. Yeah. Because if you go after him for taxes, then it's really just his, his money and assets that are up for grabs versus trying to prosecute a man that now allegedly has Alzheimer's and dementia and is mentally incapacitated and of a certain age where he'll be passing soon. It's all of, yeah. you know. And I think it's easier for them to go after Erica for taxes, too, because if she signed the document, she signed the document. She's, you know, it becomes more of right. like the Teresa Judai situation. Oh, well, these taxes are wrong. This money is hidden. You signed it. And it's like, well, I didn't know. Well, unfortunately, I didn't know is not a defense in this yeah. case. It becomes a much more provable case because it's all the paper. And what Tom did or didn't do is a little less relevant if she was still signing things. So right. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's consideration from her legal team with regard to that because any lawyer looking at this situation is going, oh, I'm sure the IRS investigation's already started. Could she likely, with the with the IRS investigation potentially ongoing at the moment, could we possibly see her go to prison for tax evasion and fraud? I mean, that is such a far way down the road and that is all pure speculation. Um, there are, depending on the behavior, there can be um, criminal penalties that involve jail time, but it really depends on what was done and it depends on what she knew and not just what she knew, but what they can prove she knew. Um, fines are much more common than prison time. Yeah. But when I say she, a crater of debt, she could be digging her way out of this forever f- for the rest of her life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so conclusion. Now that we have seen what she is starting to say on Beverly Hills and we're, we see the social media posts, we see her lashing out at Ronald Richards, we see her posting that, well, she's been dropped from Fenty, but we still see the thirst traps coming. Yes, we've already determined she's an ice queen. She's tone deaf. She's possibly out of touch. Maybe this is a defense mechanism because she is shaking on the inside, which we're starting to see on the show. What is your conclusion on Erica? And do you I think mean, I, and how guilty I'm do you still think co- she is? I'm confused AF. I'm confused AF. This last episode confused the shit out of me. Oh, with the, Tom and the, the ding dong ditch? Yes, with Tom and the ding <laughs> Like the story's so confusing. I don't know if I think part that of the story was a was production cut. edit. I think that was my prediction is that been. it was a production because if you think about it, none of the other women had confessionals saying that they were confused with the story. Correct. Sutton was the only one that did. And I think the reason that they inserted Sutton's that they were using Sutton's um confessional to anchor the story, which seemed messy, is because it was their attempt at foreshadowing the beef between Erica and Sutton that we know is to be coming later this season. That's my production brain working. I love your production brain working because I don't think about that at all. And I wondered that, like, are we missing pieces that would make this make sense? Because it is kind of convoluted in the way that it was presented on television. And it could be that a lot was cut out because we, it could have been a very long conversation. Um, 
but also, you know, Erica being outside, I think Kim Archie was the one who mentioned, you know, Erica's always in sunglasses. And then she's outside in the bright sun with no sunglasses on with mascara running down her face. Was that intentional? Was that not intentional? I, I, I don't know. Um, it felt intentional. She's not wiping her makeup, but again, she was patting you've her. You've seen her also with glam, like even when she's touching her face, like, and you know, when you wear makeup, you're kind of like, no, I don't want to move things around either. You start messing with it too much and it's, yes. you're on television. It's a big old mess. Um, so I'm still torn. I think a lot of what I suspected and wondered about, we are seeing her address. And that is what the relationship was like behind the scenes. We're clearly seeing that it had turned. Um, what was going on with the dementia? All of this, her talking about Tom declining yeah. is coming up before the conservatorship. Um, it was very telling to me the day that his assets were frozen in court, that apparently the day they all got to Palm Springs, the attorney said, I want a medical evaluation. I'm not sure that he understands. And Erica's response to that was at least someone's seeing what I'm seeing. Yeah. So now my question is, where were the other lawyers in the firm, including his son-in-law? Yeah. Were they not seeing this too? Was Erica trying to get Tom's adult kids to see this like what I have more questions about what else was happening because if this had been happening for years he shouldn't have been practicing and Erica said he should give up his bar card yeah I thought that was a stunning statement yeah um so for everyone saying you know oh is the is the dementia a ruse is it faked why hasn't it come up before well it looks like maybe it was coming up before and he was plowing through it with anger and his reputation yeah so i my jury is my look innocent till proven guilty yeah my jury is out i am not hoping for one result or the other i'm hoping to have more understanding Same. that's all i want to understand better what was going on and i'm sure erica will have a tell-all book she's gonna have to find yeah. a way to make money out of all of this <laughs> so maybe we'll see the truth behind behind the marriage and and again, it makes you question like how enjoyable it can be to just escape into the fantasy of housewives because it's there is there the fantasy's gone with the Erica Tom marriage that I was rooting for because they genuinely seemed happy. And I know appearances aren't everything, but I was rooting for them. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. You know, we were all rooting for you, Q Tyra Banks. Yeah. We were all rooting for you. I was rooting for them and I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah, I was at least rooting for her to walk away in that, you know, with that paycheck from the once, you know, he was gone, waited out like Garcelle said. Um, I was more of like, hey, you, <laughs> Garcelle, put, you put in the Garcelle, work, you put in the time. Let's let's get it. Garcelle put out the truth. Like Garcelle was just like, I speak the truth. Like, just why don't you just wait? Like, yeah. yes, Garcelle, the question everyone's asking. And now we know why. And now we know what she had a preview of that was coming. And it's weird watching it go down, knowing how much more is to It's going to play out. Yeah. What do you Camera's think we'll rolling. get? What do you think we'll get from her at the reunion? Oh, gosh. Tears. Maybe, maybe a, a statement of acknowledgement that this has been horrifying and that she doesn't even know how to process it. Cause this is really bordering on my entire life was a lie. 
Yeah. All of the money I've spent is a lie. And my marriage. And if you're in her shoes, like I just like I'm trying to like imagine if I were in that position, like just to give her the benefit of the doubt of the doubt, because I like to play devil's advocate for two seconds. But like if I were in that position and if I found out my husband of 20 years that I gave up everything for I mean, Giving up everything is a, is a loose statement. She gained so much more than she was. She gained so much. She, gained right. so much. she, but, she morphed herself. Yeah. But him. still, like when you commit and you put in 20 years of marriage and then you find out that your life was a lie and that your husband was ripping all of these people off. Like, yeah, I would be pissed, too. And I would be, you know, I don't know if I would be posting thirst traps on Instagram, but like I would be pissed. Right. right. And it's. The thing for me is that you see how he treated his clients. Yeah. I imagine he treated Erica the same way. And so while it's not the same, I think Erica also is catching this the same way Tom's clients felt when they're like, holy shit, my lawyer is stealing from me. This well-respected lawyer, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. I think she is probably in the swirl of that. And again, I don't know how much she knew, um, but I think she's in the swirl of it's all, it's all fake. It's all been a lie. And I, not just that, I think she's very focused on her and in a crisis, a lot of people do. Um, It's all been a lie and I am fucked. Like I am fucked in this. And I, this is the Titanic and I'm going down with the ship. And so on the show, we're not seeing empathy for others because she's in the swirl of how much am I being taken down with the ship yeah. right now. And realizing and it's more and more. It. Yeah. There's no life. More and more there's and more. no there's no lifeboat. There's no vest. There's no. no nothing. And she doesn't strike me as highly empathetic to being able <laughs> yeah. to see outside of her situation for others. Um, but I, I mean, I do have, I have empathy for her. It's not an excuse. Yeah. I have empathy for her. Cause I still don't know what she knew. Yeah. Look, if she knew everything Tom was doing and laughed all the way to the bank, karma's a bitch and it's going to get her yeah. in the end. If she didn't know, then Tom has lied to her the way he lied to all of his clients. And she is going to be left holding that yeah. the way they are left holding that. And I also like to clarify that like you can have empathy for her. And that doesn't mean that you don't have empathy for the victims. Because so many people are like, uh, how can you how can you feel for her? You should feel for the victims. It's like both do, things can yeah, all, both all. things can be true. You know, yeah, the I only person I don't have victim that I don't have empathy for is fucking Tom Girardi. No, fuck him. Yeah, um, like Garcelle he's said, the one who breached. <laughs> he's the one who breached his duty. He's the one who breached his duty to and and it could be that he breached his duty to his clients and breached his duty to his wife. Yeah, we just don't. No. And I, it's hard for me to not think he was lying to everyone in this. Um, and the thing is it's easier to have vitriol for Erica because she benefited Mm -hmm. the, the clients never benefited. The clients were stolen from, they went through horrible things in life. The judgments are supposed to at least have some money to compensate for what they've been through. And they didn't get it. She got the planes and the life and the stage and the memories, and she got to live all of that. And now it's crumbling. And so it's, it's a little harder to see her as also being in a situation where maybe she was lied to too, because she benefited so much from it where the others and all of the victims of Tom didn't benefit. I was conned. 
I was lied to. I mean, is there ever a more Roxy Hart, Roxy Hart? Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if she was back on stage, it would have a whole new, whole new meaning for her. Um, but what she's going through is going to be, even if she knew, and even if she is trying to be like cold as ice because she knew what he was doing, this is still going to be horribly stressful for her. And she's oh, yeah. not going to come out of this unscathed. Oh, yeah. And if she knew, it'll come out. And then we yeah. can all be like, oh, well, now we know she knew. Lock Fuck her up. Her yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I just, Tom's the one who did the things. Yeah. Um, And so I'm reserved. And we we have proof of that. Yeah. I'm reserving judgment on what I think Erica knew until I see more. Um, I don't love the way she's acted on social. No, same. She's she's following. She's on brand, being an ice queen and being, you know, out of touch with reality. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting to see the orphans and widows comment. Yeah, I'm waiting to see how that all plays out. Um, because they're still just talking about the Edelson PC case yeah. and Lionair. They're not talking about the victims yet. Yeah, else. it has yeah. what's has yet to fully come to light. Yep. Emily D. Baker, where can people follow you? Get your legal analysis, slide into your DMs, pimp yourself out. <laughs> all the things. I'm at the Emily D. Baker all over social media and on the YouTubes. So you can find me there or go to watchemily.com. It'll take you right there. So Instagram's probably my main platform other than YouTube, and it's easy to find all my things in my Instagram bio. There you go. Give her a follow. I mean, I live for her Friday night lives where she's Thank just you. breaking everything down from the White Claw lawsuits to the Britney conservatorship <laughs> to all the Girardi scandal. It's re- it's a good time. You're going to want to check out Emily D. Baker. Follow her on all social platforms. Follow me at Just Plain Zach. You can follow the show at No Filter with Zach. Get my rosé, my summer rosé. Get it at nofilterwine.com. It's one light, crisp, lightly fizzy rosé. 12.8% alcohol, so it will get you Liddy City, but there's less than a gram of sugar, so you're not going to have that gnarly wine headache. Fuck wine headaches, right? Thank you guys for listening. Please leave me a five-star review if you're listening to this on on iTunes because I love that validation and it really does matter and it means so much. And I'd love to give you guys shout outs when you leave me really nice, thoughtful reviews, not like Kanye West 2020 and you give me one star. Go fuck yourself. The rest of you, leave me some good reviews. I love that validation and I love you and I would love to shout you out. Don't miss our Thursday lives on Instagram at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We go live together and it's a good time. So I will talk to you guys next week. Enjoy your weekend and get Liddy City all summer long. All right, guys. Bye.